Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everyone and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we bring you insights into different areas of video from film, television, online and all the other places that people are creating video content for. This week I've got two special guests who I've known for a long time and have had the pleasure of meeting in person many times through the communities that we have here in Auckland and New Zealand. So thank you very much Artie for coming on the show. Thank you Blair for having me here. It's a great pleasure. And thank you Charlotte too for joining us tonight. My pleasure and thank you. Now we're doing a Skype call but you guys are doing it from the same house because you're your partners, aren't you? Yep. Yeah, it's pretty much if you now could see where we were talking, you would have laughed because she's on the other side of the bed and I'm like, it's like two couples <laughs> sitting on the bed with two laptops just talking. It's <laughs> uh, geek, geek Central here. <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. Now, I, I've been wanting to have you guys on the show for a long time because you've been really involved with the communities that we have here for people who are creating um, creative video content. So thank you for being on the show. Thank you. It's, um, I guess it's as a part of being a New Zealand new. It's uh, these things that we need to get involved more and more to be able to find new friends and more friends and get involved in the society. Yeah, definitely. I'd really like to sort of share with the audience to be in a couple where you're both really passionate about creativity and um, have similar passions in professional video industries. I'd really like to take a couple of minutes and share what sort of work you're doing at the moment. We'll dig into your career paths later on, but just a bit of an overview of where you're at now. So Charlotte, would you mind sort of sharing with the audience what you're doing at the moment and what sort of work you have been doing? Uh, well, I mainly edit for um, TV. And so at the moment I work on a TV show called Tangata Pacifica, and that is um, for TV One. Uh, that's been going on for 30 years. And um, I started as a freelancer at TVNZ in 2005 and in 2006 I started working for them and then I went out to work for independent production companies and now for the past sort of two and a half years I've been back as their um, lead senior editor and um, just delivering a weekly um, TV show every day, every yeah every week. Awesome. That's um, a lot of content to be producing every week. So it's about three uh, full-on tracks that are three minutes, and then it's a, usually about four or five newses that can range from 30 seconds to a minute, and then it's like teasers and throws. And then um, at the moment we have a, a, a reality strand, which is usually about an eight-minute uh, story. It's like a little obstock series, and that's, yeah, I don't have much time to cut those, but I always manage. <laughs> the show must go out, no matter when the deadline yes. is. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I have I have three days to do it, so it, it's, you know, it's doable. Nice, nice. Adi, mate, do you want to sort of explain what you're up to at the moment? Well, basically what I do is just I uh, create corporate videos and um, – online promos for businesses and um, explain create explainer animations and um, pretty much my that, that's my main area of activity but every now and then I do some uh, work for television as well so in the uh, past few years since I started my company digital alchemist media productions uh, I've been working for shows like swagger for Maori television, I did two seasons um, of all the graphics and title design. And uh, there was another show which I did um, the main title design for it as well for two seasons called uh, My Country Song. Also, I made the titles for the web series for Tangata Pacifica Plus. And um, some here and there, some work for... Um, television as well which I used to do for many years 
but mainly the main area of activity uh, that we work on is pretty much corporate videos. Yeah, yeah. And as a creative couple, that's quite different from a lot of people that I know in that your partner doesn't work in the same industry and really fully understand what goes on in, in the role. So as a couple, how do you find that? I suppose it's just natural for you, but how do you find both being in the industry and how that helps your relationship? <laughs> I think it helps tremendously because you have an understanding of that when they're tired and even though, you know, we haven't been physically active or, you know, it's quite a sedentary job, um, you, you can understand why someone's tired because it's a very demanding job. and um, But also you can help each other and bounce off each other with, um, you know, technical issues or creative issues or, you know, sometimes um, if Addy needs help with an edit, I help him with an edit. Um, if I can um, swing some graphics or um, animations towards him, I do that. And it, I, I think it's very beneficial because you have a full grasp of what the other's going through. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes, of course, it gets competitive, <laughs> you know, like uh, – she goes, oh, I edit better, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> 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 and vice versa, you know, like it's always these kind of. I am actually the better editor. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and Artie's a sharpshooter, but you've done some di- directing as well, Charlotte, in your past. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I am actually a trained film director and sound designer. I was never really meant to edit, but I just fell into it, and it, uh, it worked out really well. Well, it's pretty much uh, how it worked for me before was uh, my father, who was in the same, who is in the same industry, um, told me that uh, I have to be able to pretty much do everything. So he was always trying to train me as like a commando, if you um, think of it that way, you know, to be able to do everything, not, not just be a simple soldier so would be the sniper would be everything so and uh, in that sense I would say Charlotte is pretty much that as well and that's why we communicate so well because we've done few short films together as well and uh, there was an outsider once who came to uh, work in our team and he just saw the way that we work and he was amazed like what are you guys doing <laughs> like we pretty much do everything here, <laughs> and the guy was quite surprised to see us like being communicating like this so much. I think the um, the, the the main thing uh, that that works is that I think Addy has the truly creative brain, so he's not always uh, linear. Whereas I'm quite analytical, and I, I would consider myself more to be an academic rather than a creative, even though I'm in a creative profession. And that sort of balances each other out. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. There must be quite a shorthand as well after working together on things, understanding um, the the benefits that you each bring to a project. Um, yeah, that must be really nice to have that shorthand as well. Yeah, I think so. It, it's, you know, it, it, sometimes it, it, it only has to be a look or a word or, or, or a sentence and... Uh, uh, either we're both grumpy or we're both laughing. You know, you know, it it, it can it can be just a look or so it does it. Yeah, it it is very handy. Awesome. You know, referring to that look is like that look that tells you that doghouse tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't. We I won't. I won't dive into that too much deeper. But <laughs> I think that's a very, very smart decision. <laughs> now, we've known each other a few years, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's cool. It's um, And we've had a few events here and there, not as many as I'd like, but it's been great to sort of see a community come together and the few faces that we catch up and try and have a drink and just see how everyone's doing. And, yeah, so... What's your what's how have you felt about the community in Auckland of um, video and motion and all of that? I think there is a community, but I think it's mainly online rather than mm. um, outside. And uh, you know, everyone's got different schedules and it's busy schedules, and so it's quite hard to get together. I think, and and um, 
you know, I, I really do like the Adobe group uh, here in Auckland, but it's, you know, I, I wouldn't mind if it's not, and I know it's not exclusively Adobe, but when you say Adobe, then people from Adobe or Adobe users will come. But there's lots of Avid users because main the main TV um, editing platform is still Avid. Yeah. And so, so it'd be good to, you know, combine forces. Now, I know there's like directors and editors guilds that come together and, you know, you've got WIFT, which is very important. Mm. And so, you know, throughout the year, there are quite a few events and, and um, you know, social gatherings. But, yeah, it'd be nice to, to um, have a more inclusive uh, um, group and, and have it more often, really. But, you know, schedules. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as, as I promised you before, it's... Uh, I would definitely try to arrange something as well at my end and uh, possibly just create some events on the North Shore as well. Um, mm. I think I'm more like an old school person, so you know, I, I prefer to see people in person rather than just uh, chat online or um, be on the forums. I like to see the people. I like to see their work. I like to create this opportunity for people possibly to be able to showcase their work with the others. Yeah. You know, the atmosphere is always different than online. I totally yeah, and agree. I'm very grateful to what you've done, really. Yeah. I um, Yeah, I'd, I'd be really keen for you guys to join the Slack group that was set up for this um, podcast because um, that is a much wider audience than, say, the, just the Adobe Facebook group. Um, and we're sort of doing more just casual, regular catch-ups on uh, the last Thursday. Uh, and I'm going to try and post them as well. But we did a really quick catch-up yesterday um, in town. Uh, just impromptu, you know, it's really nice because with Slack, you can it's more like just chit-chatting rather than d- doing a Facebook post. So it's really cool. quick and easy to say, hey, who's free to catch up for lunch today? Yeah, let's do it. So I'd be keen for you guys to join that as well. That sounds good. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. I'll, I'll send you links, but um, I really wanted Charlotte to sort of just loop back around. You mentioned WIFT. Um, for those outside of Auckland and the industry, they might not know um, what Women in Film and Television is about. Do you mind sort of explaining that group? Because I think it's such a, such a positive aspect of um, local industry. Well, um, it's actually a global group. It's not um, – so each country has its own WIFT, and um, it's, it's, it's mainly to, um, uh, I guess, get together as, as uh, women in, in film and television and, um, you know, just it, – it's like a social gathering. Yeah. <laughs> but also there's lots of, uh, you know, knowledge that, that, and events that they um, put out. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's nice to, uh, you know, especially in the technical professions, so the areas that, that I tend to work in, and, you know, you don't often see other editors, but if you do, it's usually um, guys, which is great, uh, but it's also nice to see um, other women. Yeah. Because um, you you do share certain experiences, and, I mean, you know, you, you've got the whole Harvey Weinstein uh, or Weinstein uh, stuff that's come out now, and, and, you know, but just very simple little things happen all the time as well, and and, um, and it's nice when you have a, a female there that um, uh, knows what you're talking about. Yeah, I um, was chatting with um, Corey, who is um, out at Sky Television, and she's joined the graphics department, but she's been in different roles. And she came along yesterday, which I was really stoked um, because it does feel like a boys' club at times. And I really would like to have um, more women in the industry feel comfortable to come along and have a chat. So, um, yeah, um, it's 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 just trying to create opportunities for everybody to come along and feel comfortable and ex- accepted and, yeah, happy to come and sh- talk shop, really. I think if if uh, women know that they're not going to be judged and they're going to be listened to and heard, then you know that will make them come. Yeah. Because quite quite often it is a it is a boys' club and you can be one of the boys and that and that's all well and good. But you know it's if if I want to explain something technical, I have to write a dissertation to be heard. Whereas <laughs> a guy can just say, "Oh, we're doing this," and it's done. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and, and even in a social uh, group, some women, you know, as with some men, you know, they're shy or they're, you know, more reserved and they won't speak because there's always someone who's a loud mouth and, and um, you know, you just kind of back off. 
Yeah, I think that I'm pretty much the loudmouth, so I'll um. Oh, try- <laughs> you haven't come across that way, to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> that's good. I feel like it sometimes. I'm always promoting and pushing, and so <laughs> I just hope that it comes different. across. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good. <laughs> so, um, you you guys really, really are so inspirational with what you're what you do because I've just been inspired by the fact that you've also been working putting out um, a child's um, ch- a children's book and with the illustrations and the writing of that book and I was just wondering if you could share with the audience what that is and I just say I just think it's amazing what you guys have been doing with that as well oh, okay um, I just pointed at me so <laughs> um, we Basically, the, the book came about because of our daughter, Harley, and uh, she is now four. She turned four a few weeks ago. Um, Adi uh, is a great storyteller and is um, very animated when he tells a story. And he had this story that um, his grandmother used to tell him when he was a little boy um, before he went to bed uh, quite regularly. And um, it, he one night he told the story to Harley and she was wrapped and she was really interested and for the next two nights, she asked about the same story, and that gave Addie the idea to, um, you know, maybe write it down and uh, maybe make some illustrations for it. And then there's this thing called the 100 Days Project where you do a creative thing every day and you post it on whatever social media platform you use. And I think they have a site that you can put, post it on as well. And Addie started um, illustrating uh, some of the characters and uh, he got a really good response from friends of ours and um, um, we, we kind of just put it together and so Addy wrote down the story and then I, I cut it down because um, what qu- quite often happens is in, in Persian you talk about half an hour whereas I can do that in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is more the attention span of a child, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, so um, what I did, and and, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work with people um, like John Utanga, who's a, a Cook Island uh, um, producer, uh, editor, and he's an incredible journalist, and he um, has really helped me shape uh, how to cut down scripts, because I'll, quite often I'll get a script paper edit, and it's like six minutes, I have to cut it down to three, and through working with him and through my job, I, I managed to cut down um, text quite easily, so with Addie's text, it was beautiful, but it was just too long. So I cut it down and then I looked at it and I thought, well, all the stories that we read to Harley, they're all in rhyme. So stupidly, I thought, OK, I'm going to put it in rhyme, which I did. <laughs> and so uh, with the help of my father, who's got quite a few publications uh, to his name, um, we shaped it and made made sure that the, um, you know, the rhyme was, that the melody was correct and the words were correct. And he used a few old fashioned words that are trying to change into more modern English. And so it was a to and froing. And, and meanwhile, Addy was plodding away with all these beautiful illustrations. And, um, and then we put it on uh, uh, Kickstarter and crowdfunded and used the beautiful people of Bookprint New Zealand, which is a local outfit here in Glenfield, um, to have the book printed. So it's bound in hardcover and it was a major, major effort <laughs> to, to crowdfund and to get it out. Yeah. So, yeah, we're very happy. Yeah, congratulations on getting it out there. And um, I'm looking forward to catching up with you both tomorrow at the… Um, the pirate market. At the pirate market, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Arr, <laughs> and you've got a stall there for, for the book. Yes. Yes, we do. Excellent. And we're in full pirate outfits. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I'm going to be taking my um, five-year-old son along. Um, he's oh, he's awesome. my ticket in. Otherwise, I'd be this yes. weird guy there by himself. <laughs> you'll, you'll be the one in the bouncy castle all by yourself and the kids are watching. <laughs> <laughs> Bouncing the kids off so I got more room. <laughs> so I'll have to um, find some pirate gear in our dress-up box and get into, get into <laughs> the vibe of the whole event. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. So, um, Adi, you 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 were talking about when earlier on about um, going into multiple different disciplines and doing yes. doing that um, quite early on in your career. I think that that's really interesting because that was kind of not the done thing um, a while ago. Um, m- most people were really focused on a career path. Now it's 
you know, the um, people who can be the Swiss Army knife are really needed. So, yeah, how, how have you found that transition from um, when you were training in lots of different areas and now seeing that that's really needed by so many people? Well, it's basically not something that I planned for, um, you know, as, as much as I had to learn. But uh, what happened was because uh, pretty much everything evolved as I was learning. So um, back like in 20 years ago, when 20 something years ago, when I went to university, um, I didn't have the option to study what I really wanted. I could either study cinema, filmmaking, or I could study graphic design. And because I was into drawing and animating things, I thought, oh, I'm just going to study graphic design. And as I started studying graphic design, uh, the new media came. And pretty much, really, those days, I started with Photoshop version 3, which like I was amazed, like, wow, it has layers and it was so much. <laughs> yeah such a groundbreaking thing but then gradually like uh, new media web design came so i started to learn how to make hdmls and write the codes and everything and then flash came and all the other software after effects came and um i started with pretty much with all the adobe software and the, the rest of them which was micromedia and all but pretty much what happened was as i was learning these things new technologies were being uh, invented and developed. So I had to learn those things. And um, having a father who was uh, a filmmaker was another bonus. So I could just learn from, learn the filmmaking and photography uh, from him, uh, you know, and spend a lot of time with him to just learn the essence of it. And uh, then during those years, visual effects, of course, just, um, started to flourish so well i i realized that this is what i really um fell in love when i was a child and i i went to i wanted to go to new new york to study that but 9 11 happened and being a middle eastern wasn't really a good thing to go to new york and right after 9 11 so i waited a couple of years i went to london i studied um, computer animation and specifically visual effects. I wrote my thesis about digital stunt doubles, which you can see that these days are quite hot with the um, stunt doubles that they use yeah. in movies like uh, the last one that they did was uh, the Blade Runner that they created, recreated an actress. So the whole research was about that. I wanted to continue more and study more about artificial intelligence in visual effects, but didn't happen life happened really and i had to get into like um corporate videos just to pay the bills but really the passion was um visual effects and this really um high-tech use of cgi and uh, graphic computer graphic imagery that's really awesome to um, hear from you what your background was because um, I don't think we've had that conversation. And that's that's literally why I wanted to have this podcast is to talk with people that I know and get to ask them questions that I probably wouldn't bring up in a, over a casual beer. So now, Charlotte, I'm, tu <laughs> I'm turning over to you now, Charlotte, and I'd really like to sort of understand um, your career path through from the start. Okay, so it, for me it was um, very... Um, I'll start basically when I was 16 um, I wasn't performing well in high school because I was a very lazy student so um, I had the choice of going to America for an exchange program which I did and I had to sort out everything and then my parents paid for me to go over which I did for a year I chose subjects that were pretty easy for me and so I chose German because I'd had that for about four or five years already and the teacher had kicked me out of German and they put me in biology and I refused to do some of the things that they wanted me to do like dissecting stuff and I was just like no so I had lots of incomplete so the next semester I had to choose something else <laughs> there was a teacher there that looked very interesting and he was always uh, very animated and when he was talking and because so, I lived in a very small town in Minnesota 
because I was a Prince fan, so I wanted to be a Minnesota. And so um, I went to, the, uh, went to that guy and said, have you got any subjects that um, I could do? Because I'm not a painter, I'm not a drawer, I can't draw for, for shit, really. And so he said, I've got art video. And I was like, okay, that sounds pretty interesting. So I took art video and um, that changed my life. And so when I got back, I finished my high school and then tried to get into uni, which I couldn't because all the film schools had people there that, uh, you know, were amazing illustrators and they could draw and they had access to cameras where I came from a small town, had no access to any of that. So um, I had a gap year and I was a volunteer actor for a while. And then um, I went to study at the Royal Conservatory in The Hague. There was a course called Images and Sound. And it was uh, mainly um, performance art and video installations. And so um, I did a, 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 quite a few film and video uh, installations and exhibitions and taught myself how to edit on uh, tape to tape and on the old um, Steinbeck film tables. And uh, I worked as a volunteer in a, uh, a hospital television station and I worked as a director and camera operator because I thought I wanted to do camera work and uh, Actually, I was a much better studio director than I was a camera operator. So I did animations for them for four years. And whilst doing my my um, my bachelor's degree, when I graduated my bachelor's degree, I figured I'll do a master's degree and went back to England and went to Sheffield Hallam University and did um, a master's in screen arts, majoring in film directing and sound design. And so... Uh, I was working every single day and I had two films to make during my master's and both my editors on the films were very lazy. They didn't do a thing. And well, they did, but they went on holiday quite a bit. And so I had a friend on, in the other side of the, uh, on the other side of the hallway and she was using this thing called Avid and I'd heard about it. And because I'd been editing anyway, I said, can you just show me how that Avid thing works? <laughs> and uh, she showed me how Avid worked and um, uh, I started editing. And then I finished my master's and then I, I thought, well, I don't want to be a director in London. I, I just don't think that that's going to happen at all. So I went to the Netherlands where my parents were. And uh, I took my way into becoming a remote camera operator for uh, what is now called The Biggest Loser. And back then it was called Big Diet. And so I had 36 remote cameras and three handheld cameras to operate and shade and make sure that all the colors are correct. And then I did that for about a year and a half uh, all over Europe for in Portugal. I did Big Brother. I did all these various re reality shows. And then um I started working for the news as an editor. <laughs> right. So it's completely, completely roundabout and random. But you know, I had I had some direction that I did want to be editing at some point. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So because with a master's degree, I was overqualified. So I had to really beg to get the remote camera operating job. And once you got in, you can then start pursuing other, um, you know, other jobs. Yeah. And so um, I, I still wanted to be a director, and and so. Um, just before I came to New Zealand, because I came here on a working holiday visa in 2003, and just before I left, I um, got a call to say that I had my dream job of two TV programs to direct, and they had six months to make that decision. And I said, listen, I might not be back. I might be back in three weeks, three months. I'm not sure. But at the moment, I can't take your job. And so um, I went and um, I worked in a factory for about a year before I uh, started editing here in New Zealand. Right. What a what a what a tale, and it's so interesting to, <laughs> to to understand like all the different areas that you've been involved with. I, I yeah, didn't, so yeah, like Addy, I can do all the all the bits and pieces. It, it, you know, it, I'm, I, I do graphics for my work, but I'm you know I'm by no means a graphics operator or, or, or an animator. I do like stop anim stop motion animation, and but yeah, I can I can operate a camera. I don't know the technical things but I, I can frame it well and I can frame it nicely I can shoot well I can direct I can edit and yeah, yeah. so both of us are kind of little one-stop shops excellent. if need be excellent um working on big shows like big, big brother and um biggest loser and things like that uh working with so many people as well and um must have been quite a real pressured job to um 
get the content that they were sort of producing for that kind of size of show? Um, it, it's actually not so pressured. It, it, I think the worst about it is that it's shift work. So you work um, eight hours around the clock. So eight hours and then you have a break and then you have another eight hours. And, but, you know, you, you um, no, the pressure is not on the on the camera operators. Like the good thing about it is like I could, because I had a directing background, I could easily set up the cameras and then the director would pretty much be my vision switcher and I'd be sort of going, okay, camera four, camera one, camera two, they're all right there. Just use them, use them. And, and you know, you have a, a control room with two directors, two remote control operators, remote camera operators. You've got about four people at the back logging all the conversations because they're listening constantly. And so yeah, it, it, it's rotational. And, yeah, because you're not, not the editor and you're not the director, there is not such pressure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think had I been the editor, uh, it, it would have been different different pressure. Like, I have worked on the block here, and, and that, that's a different pressure altogether. Right. When talking about the, um, the, the uh, vision switching and things like that, reminded me of when I was at TVNZ and um, been in the news um, studio and watching the directors doing the, um, doing the live broadcasts. But, you know, that was a... Half an hour show, one hour show, not a yeah around the clock <laughs> show. No, no, but you know, it's it's it's. We had a nice team, we had a good team, and it was you know lots of fun. And, and I think that the cool thing is like, especially when you're doing those sorts of shows like Big Brother, um, because it's a purpose-built um, home. They have these camera walls, so you have these camera uh, hallways around the house. And it's uh, the, the it's two way it's it's a, it's a one way mirror kind of a thing. And so you're you know, if you, sometimes for fun you'd go into the camera cross they call it the camera cross and and um, and, and you'd be looking at the, the contestants and they're like not even a meter away from you they're like yeah. thirty centimeters away from you maybe popping a pimple in the mirror or whatever <laughs> and, and, and they've got no idea that you're there so you know this you know it's it's interesting work yeah you know, it's full it's full on but it's interesting. Yeah, my guilty um, secret is that I used to love Big Brother when I was uh, studying. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, it was just fascinating people watching. I sort of, after a couple of seasons, sort of dropped off. But yeah, it was really quite engaging in a really weird play, way because you feel like you really get to know these people. Yeah, and, and especially when you're, when you're working on it, you, you really know them well and you know whose hand not to shake. <laughs> and uh, you know th- those sorts of things so it's yeah it's it, 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 but even it, when i'm editing now like we we, we quite often have um events or or uh, community events and um i know all these people especially in the in the pacific communities and uh, you know i want to go go hey but they've got no idea who i am yeah but i know them really well because of the of the of the work that i do isn't it such a um thing for those of us who do a lot of editing and post work um uh, recently been doing some um, work for online videos with um, um, Sh- Charlotte Winter um, oh no Chelsea Winter, Winter and um, Chelsea Winter yeah yeah and you really feel like you get to know the person because you're just spending a couple of weeks with this content of just this person <laughs> yeah yeah and um, yeah. and you kind of forget that because then I you go on set or something and you go to talk to them and it's like oh that's right they have no idea who I am. Yeah, so quite often I have that and 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 you, you see their face and you go oh right yeah no you have no idea who I am and so yeah you kind of go oh no I'm such and such and I do this and this and I'm very sorry but you know <laughs> and then you go grab your wine. Adi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'm really always impressed, mate, with your exploration of new creative technologies because you're you're often asking questions, and I know that you've been looking into um, Adobe Character Animator recently and been exploring with that, and also 360 video um, when that started first popping up. Um, yeah, how much of it is exploration that you can then turn into commercial work or is it just a real um, scratching the itch of creativity? Well, it's um, really what I'm, what I'm really after is just to create new things to be able to work with. Like, for example, I give you this example that uh, 
why I should not stand still and just stick into um, stick to what I've been doing for like quite some time. Uh, when I started my first company back in Iran, and um, I think it was about 16 years ago, and one of the first things I did as uh, and I was selling it as a product was to take panoramic photos with film of course at back uh, back then and then I was scanning those panoramas uh, ma- making sure that they're like 30 percent overlapping and then scanning those with a good flat uh, flatbed scanner and then taking it to Photoshop and try to merge them seamlessly which took a lot of time to actually create a proper panoramic picture. And I was selling those pictures for like $1,500 to $2,000 each. And now your mobile phone can do that for you in a matter of seconds, really. So a lot of the stuff that we're working on is getting old and obsolete. And you always have to be um, up to speed with technology and see what it's doing. So. I'm exploring these things. Like, for example, I started uh, working on the 360 videos and the VR, um, but didn't seem to take off as what people expected to be. Um, in terms of character animator studio, I think this is a really awesome software, and I think it will change the way that people make animations, makes it so easy to animate things. Um, and it's a wonderful software. I'm really, really optimistic about that. At the moment, I'm working on an AR project. I think the future is going more toward the augmented reality rather than virtual reality. And people want to, because everybody's having their phones, and their phones are way more powerful than the computers that uh, they made Terminator 2 <laughs> Now, visual effects, for example. So, I think what it's going to be, it's, uh, it's going to be more CGI involved in every um, everyday life with use of augmented reality. And I think it's the new way of storytelling. And I'm uh, trying to learn that and I'm trying to uh, implement that into my work. Yeah, well, um, uh I had Mike Seymour from FX Guide on the show and that was basically his um, insight that if he was going to recommend something to somebody starting out to look at AR and um, with the AR kit just you know coming out, that that is really the boom opportunity to invest it um, some time. So you're doing the right things, mate, with what, what research in, that you are doing right now. Well, you're looking at the, um, you know, that Rua Peka Peka that just came out from uh, Radio New Zealand and uh, Mihi Navangi Forbes, you know, that, that that is the kind of stuff that can be um, even further developed. You know, th- there's quite a few of those um, things online now that, that are really interesting, especially when it comes to the Māori history and, and power wars and all those sorts of things. So that's definitely... Uh, you know, you know, you're, you're saying that you're amazed by what Addy does, and I'm amazed every day at the things that he comes up with. It's, <laughs> you know, it, but it's inspirational even for me just to see, and also like, you know, he'll he'll do something and he'll study something and he'll be an expert the next day. It's amazing. Yeah, Charlotte, do you mind um, just explaining for overseas listeners what that project is a little bit further? Oh, it, it's so it's a documentary on the NZ wars, the New Zealand wars, and so it. Um, I'm just looking it up for you now because I don't know the ins and outs of it because I didn't work on it. So, but it's the stories of Rua Peka Peka. Uh, it's a documentary highlighting Northland's most infamous armed conflict. Yeah. And that's hosted by Radio New Zealand's Maori Issues correspondent Mihinarangi Forbes. Uh, and so it's uh, uh, so it was it coincides with the commemorations of the New Zealand War. So it, it's it's a really it's about 30 minutes. Um, and it just shows you, it's quite an interactive um, documentary. And, and um, you're looking at that, you go, well, that's the kind of content that, that is interesting to make and, and mm. very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing, I, sorry to add to this, um, one thing that um, caught my attention was um, back in 2004, 
I went to Edinburgh, and as I went to the castle up in the hill, I saw that people could uh, just carry these devices and choose the language that they want. So, so everywhere that they were going, there was a number on the plates that just describing that area, and they could just type in that number, and the audio track uh, related to that area would be played in their own language. Uh, cuts to now, I was traveling from Rotorua to here, uh, to Auckland, and I stopped somewhere in the middle of the... Close right to Hartley. Yeah, and uh, it was a cemetery, and I realized that, oh, wait a minute, this is a historical place, and a war happened there, and I thought, wow, just like the um, American Civil War uh, simulations that people just dress up and all that, what if we could just do everything like that, but in augmented reality, so the tourists can just take out their phone and look around, and yeah. They, yeah, they can see the ghost of the ancestors just fighting or uh, explaining something or even like a tour leader in their own language could just explain to them what that um, area or what that monument or uh, place that they are in um, is or uh, what the whole thing is about so i think it's it has a huge potential not only in the tourism industry but also in education as well because uh, you go to Oakland Museum and you can see like how kids are so involved with the interactive activities there rather than just look at some uh, things that are just there sitting uh, rather than just being interactive. Yeah. No, I think you're bang on because um, um, I went up to the top of the North Island um, a couple of years ago with my wife and my sister-in-law and we stopped off at the sites where the Māori land wars were, and um, there's a lot of um, information was signage there um, about the site. But you have to really sort of use your own um, imagination of what that would be. And just as you're saying that, if I could actually have an augmented experience where I could see um, where the PARS sites were and how they were laid out and... Um, you know, and, and like you say, if if there was a reenactment and then they could repurpose that for many different um, tourism experiences, uh, yeah, huge, huge opportunity. So, yeah, I instantly could think of an example that would have enriched that even further experience. Yeah, and hopefully there's, there's more Māori content creators that are looking at these things that, that uh, can make it a little bit more um, balanced rather than, uh, you know, Parkia people uh, <laughs> would be quite good. Yeah. So for um, overseas listeners, Pakiha people are white people, and the Maori people are indigenous. So um, a little bit of um, cultural education there for people wherever you are. I know that some are listening in Russia and US and all over Europe. So shout out to all of our overseas listeners, and we've got a lot of New Zealand and Australian listeners too. So that's awesome. Yeah, Dobry Russia. Excellent, yeah. yeah. Uh, but just to add a little to what Charlotte said, um, us being foreigners as well, because we're New Zealand new, as they uh, when they sell cars here in New Zealand, and they say, <laughs> it's a New Zealand new. It's been used overseas, but now they import it. You're the first owner in New Zealand. So uh, we are New Zealand new as well. So I'm from Iran and I grew up in Iran. I studied in London and then I came here. Um, Charlotte, um, same from the Netherlands. And for us, just living in New Zealand and being uh, New Zealanders now, we also, uh, all these cultural things are also new to us. And it's more exciting, you know. I'm, I'm very much familiar with my own heritage and my uh the Persian background, but not with the um, New Zealand history and New Zealand culture and Maori culture, uh, for instance. And I found it very, very fascinating. Like, for example, that movie that came out a couple of years ago, Deadlands, uh, that was beautiful, brilliant. I, I love to see the whole history behind it and how the indigenous people of New Zealand were like or... Um, 
the Moana that came out, even though it's been not exactly telling the Pacific. Yeah, but it was very, very exciting and very interesting. It just opened a new window for people who who are not into this culture just to learn a little bit more about it. And I think that's a very, very good start. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think they're more commercially commercially viable because for about uh, 30 years, there's a program called Wakahuya, which is documentaries in Te Reo Māori uh, about, uh, you know, specific um, people and prominent people. And so there's lots of Māori content that is just not being seen. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, it, it's there. I just wish it came more to the forefront. Because yeah, I've worked in Māori programming for most of the time that I've been here and it's just, I, I just want it to be more exposed. I think there's such a richness of um, history that hasn't been yeah. told and isn't known. Um, last weekend, I went to a live recording of a podcast for The Dollop, which is a really popular um, comedy show, but it's about normally about American history. But when they travel to different places, they do um, one on the local history. So they did an episode on New Zealand. So it was um, a great show. But it was just so much information, uh, the stories that just don't get told in schools. But it was such a rich, rich, um, rich episode. And I was just amazed. If it was a movie, it would have been epic. And I'll, I'll, I'll put a link <laughs> into this, for, to, the, to that show in the, in the show notes, as well as all the other things that we discuss um, in the pro video picks, which is cool. my little segue to the pro video pick section. <laughs> oh, nice, nice one. <laughs> I'm I'm never subtle with my segues for the pro video picks. <laughs> you could be Dutch. <laughs> and now it's time for the pro video picks. So, guys, um, we try and do um, just some insights for the audience so that they've got some things that might, they might not be aware of or to inspire them. So, um, first off. Pro Video Pick, it really could be so many things. It could be um, a resource, a tool, software, even um, an attitude, or, or um, uh, it can be anything you want that helps in your professional work, really. So, um, Charlotte, what's your Pro Video Pick for this week? Mm, I guess it, it's uh, it's uh, the various groups on Facebook actually like there's a, a really good um, resource um, page I find is called post chat and it's sort of cross um, uh, crossed with um, Twitter so you have a hashtag post chat and uh, there's lots and lots of uh, information it, it's mainly um, from Americans but um, it, it's a very global group and, and I find it, it's a, it's a lovely uh, page for uh, lots of resources a bit of fun now and again a little bit of a heated discussion now and again and uh, so yeah I, I really enjoy um, the post in that group and, and um, you know it gives you some good tips uh, technical tips sometimes and uh, updates and yeah so that would be uh, that, that's my main go-to if, if I need any um, sort of light relief during the day or yeah Awesome. And Adi, how about you, mate? Oh, me just being, just working on the character animators, um, uh, Adobe character animators. Um, I would say um, the OK Samurai would be the best uh, YouTube channel that people can go and learn because uh, it's the developers team at Adobe that they, they just run that channel and the tutorials and the discussions and the showcases there are incredible, very um, inspiring, I should say, um, and uh, lots of information to learn. Awesome. They're both great picks. Also, sorry, it's got one more pick. Sorry. All good. No worries. Uh, as, as a- as a freelance editor, you're, you're quite often uh, um, required to do graphics. And so um, I find uh, Motion Array a very uh, good tool for quick graphics templates. Uh, so it makes me look like I can do lots of cool graphics. But in actual fact, it's a template that I reworked and, it's, uh, and it looks beautiful. So, it, it, you know, it's not expensive and it's a really good um, – you, you do need to know how to use After Effects properly. But, um, yeah, as an editor that doesn't – you know, it's not a graphics operator. That, that is something that uh, is very useful. That's awesome. Um, so that works for you um, on on the Avid platform. 
Um, it, it does. It works for Avid, works in Adobe. But like I use, so I use Adobe After Effects, um, and then just uh, you know render it out and then import it back into Avid. Cool. Um, so it does. It doesn't work as fluidly as Adobe Premiere and After Effects do, but it still works really well together. So. Yeah, and there's been recent update to the Creative Cloud for Pro Video, and um, the Adobe Stock now um, has motion templates available that have been designed by a number of leading uh, motion designers, and so they're from After Effects, but you can take them into Premiere. The thing that you can do within Premiere is really mm-hmm. modify those templates, so you can update the text and things, or change colors, and flick through different styles. So if you've got lower third baseline keys, things like that. You you got a lot of control within Premiere, so um, I'm I'm just basically segueing to my pick. Let's go for the Adobe Stock <laughs> Motion Templates. There you go. <laughs> awesome, that's a really good one. I'd, uh, I haven't updated it yet, so I'll have to have a look. Yeah, always be wary. Um, I'm a big fan yes. of saying maybe not the first round. Wait and see who gets burned, and wait till we, you don't hear any screams, and then that's probably the safe time to update. <laughs> Yeah, at the moment there's lots of screams, so I'm waiting for the point one. Yeah, always the point one, always. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, Charlotte, do you have an inspirational video that you'd like to share with the audience? Oh gosh, I have so many. Um, I'm very old, so um, like, well, I mentioned before that I really like stop motion animation. So um, I like like I grew up with. Um, uh, Ray Harryhausen stuff, so yeah. you know the old dinosaurs on an island fighting. Because uh, my father used to, yeah, my father used to watch all that stuff, and uh, and I used to watch it on my little black and white t- TV with him, and um, and then that sort of went on to there's a, a series in, in Dutch it's called Boomon and Boomon, which is uh, neighbor and neighbor, and funnily enough, Addy knows exactly that same cartoon, and it's called Pate Mat, and it's uh, two neighbors. Uh, never succeeding but in the end always succeeding and that was stop motion and that sort of shaped me as a as a small child as well and then of course it went into ad man nick park's ad man and, yeah. and uh, i remember peter peter gabriel's sledgehammer came out and and um i was just blown away and so that's what i wanted to do uh, which you know I, I do as a passion but not as a job yeah awesome awesome and Adi, mate what inspirational video would you like to share well, the video that inspired, well, pretty much changed the course of my life, really, was um, the skeleton scene from the Jason and the Argonauts in uh, Ray Harryhausen movie uh, when I was about, like, I think five or six years old. And I saw that, and after that, I didn't want to become the president. I didn't want to become a doctor or a pilot. I just wanted to learn how to do that. Yeah. And uh, I just followed that really. And uh, after that, there were like other examples that I can just say. But uh, the level of details that Ray Harryhausen used to put in his work was so so rich that even after all these years, if you watch it, you still would be amazed by how much detail it, there is and how good it's been pulled out with the limited technology that they had back then and um, how amazing it is. So that, that, that's pretty much, because every time I just look back at the basics of, uh, at the foundation of how these things have been created, really, and it hasn't been changed. It's just, we got faster tools, but the basics and the structure is the same. Yeah. And that's what's, the most important thing about um, working in this industry, just to appreciate the tools, but know the rules that has been there for so many years now. It's you're you're bang on, and um, that inspiration that you shared is actually the inspiration of a lot of leading visual effects um, supervisors and influential people upon the visual effects industry. Um, Jason the Argonauts, you know, is is often um, pointed to as a real inspiration. You know, there's a younger generation now that will talk about Star Wars being an inspiration, but you know, no, that that that, the tragedy happened to me when I was teaching. um, When I (laughs) just arrived in New Zealand, I was just uh, teaching some students about 
our um, about cinema filmmaking, and I was referring to the movie uh, The Professional, and the kids were just looking at me like as if I was talking about a UFO or something. <laughs> and I said, "Oh, maybe it was called Leon here in New Zealand," and they were like, "No, you haven't heard of it, no." And then I went online and I went to INDV and searched and just popped up on the big screen. And one of the uh, students said, uh, that's Natalie Portman. Uh, she was a child. And I was like, okay, yeah, now I can get it. And then one of them said, when this movie came out, I was minus two years old. And I <laughs> thought, oh, my goodness. And I realized, I realized was, okay, was... pretty much everything that happened after um, I became 20 years old. It's pretty much as if it happened last week. It's all ancient history. For, yeah, it's ancient history. You know, some of these kids have been uh, born after those things. So, yeah. like a lot of those, a lot of these kids might not even like watch a movie like Pulp Fiction, for example. And uh, imagine if I'm, I'm going to talk about Kurosawa movies for, with them and say, "Hey, uh, how about Six Samurai?" And, he just go, dude, that's in black and white. And I'm like, okay, forget about it. Let's move on to Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting because the, um, you know, the, the, the films that we grew up with and the, 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 you know, the inspirations, uh, you, you do get question marks. Like I, I think as an editor, you need to know who Eisenstein is. Uh, you know, and you need to know about Oscar Fischinger. You need to know about Salvador Dali with um, Louis Bunuel. And, and you know, it, it, it's important. And, and, you know, they set they, they, they set a standard and, and from there on, you, you know, it, it's been built on and it's been used all the time. Yeah. It's um, one of the, my favorite classes because I studied computer graphic design, but um, I had a really awesome um, tutor who taught me um, film and film history and type and motion and things like that. And I just really loved um, film history and, you know, studying all the old classics like um, Battleship, Potemkin yeah. and things like that, you know, just and really picking them apart. But if you had just come across it and um, would have, you know, today it would just get flicked past and not even well, considered. It's like going to the museum and you look at a painting and, and you know nothing of the painting. But then like, I, we used to go with one of our um, tutors and he was so into painting and, and art history. He would tell all these things about a painting and you look at it and you go, holy shit, that's awesome. But by myself, I'm like, nah, okay, next one. You know, if you have someone who's very engaging and can talk to you about a film or about whatever, really, it, it makes it more interesting. And, and so that's, you know, kind of going back to that augmented reality way of learning. You know, yeah. kids learn by play. People learn by play much easier than just by reading and yeah. watching. So if you have someone who's really into and has a passion for these things, they can tell you things that you go, wow, I didn't know. Like you look, you, you watch Battle, uh, Battleship Potemkin, you go, what? But then someone explains to you all the different techniques that, that have been used. And you go, yeah. ah, okay, cool. And that they right, that this was the up. start of those techniques. Yeah. You know, they came up. With yeah, that. exactly. <laughs> just yeah. to add up to the uh, what Charlotte and uh, you said, and uh, just to make it easier for uh, younger audiences, um, there is this YouTube channel called Every Frame a Painting. Mm, yeah, and uh, he's just analyzing um, different directors' work including uh, Kurosawa's work and David Fincher's work, which are, like, these guys are um, really icons in filmmaking and other people there as well, like, yeah, uh, they have to go and watch those. But he analyzes all those little techniques that they use, which is amazing. And it's very inspirational for um, younger audience who are about to start also, you mentioned the um, type in um, motion design. I uh, remembered something, another inspirational video for me, inspira inspirational uh, creation is uh, Kyle Cooper's work on the title design for Seven, which pretty much got me into uh, main title design. Of course, I was just um, 
watching um, Soul Boss's uh, work before on like the old Hitchcock movies, but what Kyle Cooper did for uh, motion graphics and title design is amazing. Yeah. And I would suggest that everybody would go and study what Kyle Cooper did, the, the techniques. And um, I think he started this Imaginary Forces company, and now he got another company called Prologue, which uh, specifically doing motion graphic design. Their work is amazing. Any of their work is amazing, really. Yeah, and you have to really again. It's um, that the this work is the work that um, became the turning point in an industry because you look at big blockbuster films and you don't think anything of a huge title sequence, but back and when um, the title sequence was really literally about getting the credits up on screen and having a card for the title of the film, you know, actually um, adding another layer of attitude and intent into the title sequence, you know, that was, it, it was really revolutionary at the time. Yeah, and I heard something, which I'm not sure whether it's true or not, that um, I heard that the laboratory, which was developing the negatives and everything, came back to the producer and said, like, I think you sent us the wrong reel because <laughs> it's like uh, the leaders and everything got <laughs> together very crazy. And then, you know, that's the, that's, the thing that's the real thing so just develop everything that that's the correct one yeah they weren't used yeah. to seeing this so as, unusual yeah. For them, yeah. <laughs> and then um today today i read in post chat that the um the title sequence of the matrix with all those falling uh, characters is actually um, um sushi recipes <laughs> excellent it's like um if you could read the matrix you could make some good sushi awesome <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so my inspirational video is um, from um, Future Deluxe and it's um, Plume for Wacom and it was created by Future Deluxe and they were teaming up with Twisted Polly so I'm a huge fan of Twisted Polly's work it's just amazing and this piece is exceptional it's, it's really beautiful um, it's Plume is about the feathers and things like that, but when you when you watch it, there's so much um, richness in the movement of the particles and the and the feathers growing. And yeah, it's the lighting's beautiful, the rendering's beautiful, the animation's beautiful. It's just an exquisite piece. What I found really interesting is that Wacom just let um, Future Deluxe and Twisted Polly do whatever they want, and they discuss in this article a little bit about how difficult it is when you don't have a brief and so their <laughs> conceptual process took a lot longer than they felt it should have but it's almost you know it's interesting the brief can really help guide where a project needs to go if you've got no brief it can take a little bit of time to figure out where, where it should be mm-hmm. yes so I'm going to put those links and all the others in the show. And um, guys, um, where can the listeners follow you online and see what you're up to? Well, uh, that's a yeah, very interesting question. Uh, well, the um, I guess the company's uh, website d-alchemist.com. And uh, our personal website is alemi.me. And my personal website is humanzooproductions.com. And, uh, yeah, we have a Facebook page for Digital Alchemist. We have a Facebook page for our book. Um, my Facebook I keep private. <laughs> and my Twitter I kind of keep private too. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Excellent. Um, listeners can follow us on our Facebook group and there'll be a link in the show notes but if you search Pro Video Podcast on Facebook you'll find it and um, yeah always posting a lot of different content and a big shout out to some of the Twitter um, people who have come over and joined that group recently um, um, Yevgeny um, Zibilov I'm so sorry man if I've butchered your name he's at E um, underscore Zibilov on Twitter and he joined the Facebook group but he's been a huge supporter doing some tw- um, retweets and likes so thanks for that mate and um, you can also find us on our Slack group so really encourage you guys 
um, the listeners to join the Slack group and Artie and Charlotte will be in there because I'll add them to that as well. So you can have a chat with them and me in the Slack group. So awesome, awesome guys. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you both on. Thank you very thank much. You for creating this awesome movement and awesome show. Sweet as I get to um, spend some quality time talking to excellent people like yourselves and really getting to understand you and your background a lot more. So um, I've really enjoyed um, hearing some things that I just didn't know about you guys. So it's been awesome for me. Oh, thanks, Blair. Excellent, guys. Well, um, and girls, we'll catch you next week. So have a great one. All right, cheers. Bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes.